Hello and welcome to the Licensed to Queer podcast, where we're on a mission to uncover why James Bond appeals so much to LGBTQ plus people. Why not see 007 from a different angle? One of the reasons I'm not a big fan of the initialism LGBTQ plus is because it excludes some queer identities. That's why I tend to prefer the umbrella term queer. And one of those queer identities that's excluded in the most commonly used initialism is asexual. So it's a real pleasure to be able to introduce an episode of the podcast, which um, actually uh, goes along with an article written by a new contributor, Fenner, who has written a brilliant article from an asexual person's perspective. Now, asexuality is an umbrella term in itself and contains a lot of other identities. All of this is explained in the podcast, but most importantly, uh, what I think you'll find interesting are the examples that Fenner and I discuss of who could be considered asexual characters in Bond. I'm not going to say much more other than if you've already read the article on the website, I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you've already watched the YouTube video, it's this, this, the same audio essentially as this one. Uh, but definitely, if you haven't read the article, then you should probably do that after you've listened to this or watched the YouTube video. It's a really, really great article. It's immediately become one of my favorite pieces on the website. It was an absolute joy to get ready for publication and select the images and everything else. So not going to say anything else. Just listen and enjoy. Hello, Fenner. Hello, David. Yeah, nice to actually speak. I know we've been communicating quite a bit over Twitter um, mm -hmm. and then a few weeks ago I I can't remember was it you or me who came up with the idea of the article I can't remember it was it was sort of you who invited me but it was prompted by me responding to your Twitter oh um, yeah it, it was we were you were doing the uh the James Bond 31 day challenge Yes, and, that's and, it. And the and the question was name the top four sexiest Bond, uh, sexiest mm. characters in the Bond mm. films. And my that's response it. to that was, uh, you know, that challenge would have been too challenging for me. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. And um, so yeah, and then didn't we end up having a conversation about Paloma as well, and to what extent she might be asexually coded and and yeah, a little, a little. There? Yeah, so let's, sort of. let's just back up for a second then, because if people haven't read the article yet, um, this will kind of be a nice introduction. Or if people have read the article, your brilliant article, I absolutely loved putting that on the website and choosing. the. In fact, I haven't shown you the images I've chosen for it yet, um, but hopefully you approve of my my selections. But uh, I'm sure I will. Um, yeah, it was it was really great. Uh, so if you've not. Uh, if you have read the article, this is kind of like a nice extra, a bit more detail. If you've not read the article, this I, I definitely think you should. You, you can go and read it after this. Um, although we are going to kind of talk about some of the main points from the article. So, yeah, just to back up for a second. So, um, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, 
I haven't had obviously the same experiences as yourself growing up. I don't identify anywhere on the asexual spectrum and we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute. But I did have an interesting encounter with some Bond fans online recently who said that um, it was a very, very polite gentleman said to me uh, during a video call said, um, David, um, as a gay man, what do you get out of James Bond? Because the main thing that I get out of James Bond is looking at the attractive women. And, <laughs> you know, he didn't mean it offensively at all. He was genuinely interested mm. in what I got out of James Bond, because I most of the time don't find women attractive. And my answer to that basically was I don't really find most of the men attractive in Bond to be perfectly honest that's not the main thing that I go into a Bond film for there's Mm -hmm. loads more to Bond than just sex appeal so is that a kind of perspective that you can sort of relate to as well absolutely I mean uh, yes as an asexual person I, I don't find anyone attractive as well in the Bond films so uh, it was always about uh, I don't know the 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 heroics, the 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 villains with their fantastical plots, the the travelogue, the explosions, um, the wit, the the style. There are so many other things to like about the Bond world. So, yeah, sex sex doesn't. I mean, it's there obviously. Yeah. But that's that's not why I like it. And I think it's really important, you know, obviously that my aim with License to Queer is to present as many different perspectives on Bond as possible. And I, I do sometimes find that the discourse is still sort of dominated, particularly by men, straight men, and it's kind of ogling all the girls and that's fine. But, you know, there's mm. there's just so much more to Bond than just that, I think. So I'm, I was fascinated to find out kind of more about your perspective on Bond, particularly as like me, you are a massive fan of Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. We're going to try not to turn this into just like a love letter (laughs) to Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, But I know you've read my queer review of Tomorrow Never Dies recently, so we can talk about that. Before we kind of get into that, can you just kind of share to listeners uh, a bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I mean, what is there to say? I'm 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 from Amsterdam. I've I'm, I'm born and raised. Um, classic classic Bond location. Classic Bond location. Although I I must confess, I have never tried to find the uh, Tiffany Case apartment. Oh, that be it's, the first I know. thing I do. Yes, I don't know. I you know I probably passed it cycling through the city as you do here, but. I've never actually tried to find it. I don't know. Have you been over Maybe the skinny bridge? Yes, of course. Of yeah. course, I've I've seen the skinny bridge. Yeah. Well, I haven't been to Amsterdam yet, but I'm I'm actually coming for the first time later this year, as long as COVID and everything else doesn't get in the way. So I'm really looking for. I think um, I've promised my husband because we're only there for the day. I've promised my husband we're not going to just do the Diamonds of Forever location list. <laughs> Although I'm definitely going to try and tick off a couple. Of course, yeah. of course. Um, and uh, well, yeah, I've, I've been a Bond fan for many, many years since I saw Tomorrow Never Dies on the big screen when I was 12 years old. Mm. And that was just instantly 
I, I went to the, the video store and rented the GoldenEye VHS the very next day. And I was just, you know, that was it for me. I was, I was, I was obsessed with Bond from that moment on. Brilliant. Started watching all the movies, reading the books, eventually writing fan fiction. Um, yeah, it was great. Do you think Tomorrow Never Dies stands out because it was the first one or does it still hold up? in your estimation, now you've seen the other Bond films? I mean, that's hard to say, isn't it? it you're always going to be biased about the, your first Bond film, but yeah, I, I still think it holds up pretty well. I, I still like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. It's popcorn entertainment, really. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know a lot of people don't really like Tomorrow Never Dies very much, but... I, I it wasn't the first one I saw at the cinema. It was probably the second one I saw at the cinema, but I'd seen all the others up until that point. But it's mm. definitely the one that and View to a Kill are the ones that if my husband and I just want to sit there and watch a Bond film, we know we're going to agree on one that we really like. It's that one, or as I say, View to a Kill. And yeah. uh, interestingly, you one of your favourite parts of that this is a spoiler if you haven't read the article yet so you might want to read the article because this is one of the the, the three moments in Fenner's article where I laugh out loud when I read it <laughs> and that goes for when I read it the first time and when I was putting it on the website um, and the first time I laugh out loud is when you uh, you turn to your friend um, who's like isn't you know isn't Piers Brosnan attractive and you're more interested in the the amazing shot of the bazooka going through the window of the BMW in the car park. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, as a 12 year old sitting in that cinema, I was like, that was awesome. Just, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Still hey, as a 39 year old watching it at home, I still go, that was awesome. <laughs> it, it doesn't get Yeah, old. me too. Me too. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really great moment. And it does have that wonderfully camp little flip from the bazooka guys yeah. right afterwards. It's, yeah, just yeah. Such a, it's such a weird scene. It's so great. I love it to pieces. So the, most of your article is devoted to kind of explaining to people. There's a bit in there about explaining to people if they don't understand about asexuality before we get into some examples. So just in case people haven't read the article, could you just kind of give people a bit of a primer on what we mean by terms we've already used, like asexual and demisexual in the spectrum and all that sort of yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean, it is hard to explain because asexuality means so many different things. It is an umbrella term. It is mm. a, a spectrum, the asexual spectrum. And depending on whether you fall on that, uh, you know, your experience can differ um so uh in my case i'm sort of halfway along the spectrum i think you would say mm -hmm. i'm i consider myself demisexual which means mm -hmm. that i i can experience sexual attraction to mm -hmm. to other people but it it happens very rarely it happens when i've known someone for a very long time and i i sort there's a sort of trust there and i feel there's some kind of emotional connection there. So there's a mm. there's a, a joke about demise demisexual people, which goes, uh, you know, demisexual people only fall in love with their best friends, which, you know, from my experience, th uh, that's not wrong, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's also gray sexual, which is similar, which is, yeah, you experience sexual attraction, but not very often. 
And then there is, you know, completely asexual, which is just you don't experience sexual attraction, but you can still experience, you know, you can have a libido, you can have uh, the desire to have sex with people, ju you're just not attracted to them. It's, it's very complex, but um, uh, at its core, asexuality is a lack of attraction to mm -hmm. uh, other people. That's mm -hmm. the best way to explain it, I think. I think. Yeah, that's that's really well explained. And I, I, I must admit, I learned a couple of things from your article as well, because although I've got a few uh, friends in in real life who uh, identify on the asexual spectrum, I'll be honest, <laughs> I sometimes feel kind of like I don't want to ask them too many questions because, you know, I, I don't mind people asking me about, you know, gay stuff, uh, but I know I know some people might feel a bit self-conscious because they're like, oh God, does that mean that's all we kind of see him as sort of thing? You know, mm. being being gay is probably not the most interesting thing about me, but I know people are quite curious. So yeah. um, do you get people asking you lots of questions? No, not, not really. I think, um, no, people notice that I'm single. Maybe they're afraid to ask me if I'm, happy that way or not mm -hmm. um no i don't get a lot of questions but um you know for all intents and purposes i do seem happy i am happy so yeah um, no, that's, yeah that's great and but do you feel that um a lot of people just don't understand asexuality yeah i think so whenever i do bring it up or explain it they're like well isn't that just uh you know uh having standards you know about who you want to sleep with or mm. yeah they don't really understand it or, or they just say well you haven't met the right person yet you know something like that 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 tends to happen a lot i'm i'm i've written about asexuality uh, a little bit and i have always run uh what i'm writing past kind of uh, some asexual people to make sure i'm not putting my foot in it because you know when mm. when you're not representing your own experience you want to make sure that's the case but there's so sure. little research out there into asexuality i always find it really difficult to find any kind of reference um so i don't know if you've ever come across any research into how prevalent asexuality is across society i know i haven't no i think it's about one percent of people in the world oh, right. but you know, to be honest, I I really didn't think a lot about asexuality before you invited me to write this article. So, oh wow, um, I have also learned a lot over the past few weeks. So, thank you for for that. Oh wow, no, I didn't yeah. know that. That's that that's that's great. Okay, hopefully, it hasn't made you feel self conscious or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's been eye opening, really. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So when we when I've been writing bits about asexual characters in Bond, there are a few re there are a few direct references in Fleming, and there's quite a bit of what we call coding, which regular licensed queer readers and listeners we really familiar with coding, where we mm. don't really, we don't state things explicitly, but you kind of read between the lines. And I know we're going to yeah. be talking about that in relation to a couple of characters in a minute. But a lot of mm. time, if you were to say asexual Bond character to most people, I would imagine most people would go straight for Vargas from Thunderball. Yeah. And um, 
I'm planning to use him as the cover image actually for the article. I found a really kind of amusing behind the scenes uh, image of him with the uh, the um, what's it called the harpoon sticking out of his chest sort of thing. But kind of <laughs> finding it funny at the time. <laughs> yeah, so I managed to find that on the Thunderballs archive. Um, but yeah, a lot of people think Vargas. So why Vargas? It's it's really on only because of that one line, right? That Largo mm. says uh, he, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't make love. Yeah. What do you do, what Vargas? Do you do? That yeah. that's the only thing really in the movie that that you could count as asexual coding. Yeah. 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 And if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've read this one, but I think Fleming um, uses the term in relation to Blofeld in Thunderball. I, I need to go back and check that one. Yeah, but possibly. I, I wonder if when they were adapting that, because obviously that was written kind of, you know, as a screen treatment and whatever. I wonder if the asexuality sort of got passed on to Vargas in a way. I don't know. I need I need to check that one. Yeah, Maybe. but that that's probably one of the more obvious ones. But as you argue really, really well in your article, most of the time asexuals are not represented terribly positively as as goes for a lot of queer characters in bond yeah characters um but uh, lesbian characters and uh, bisexual characters and uh, yeah we, we don't tend to get represented terribly positively no, although no. <laughs> one that i think people will find i think people will actually find quite surprising but the more you and i kind of sent this one back and forth the more I sort of convinced myself of it Paloma in No Time to Die so could you unpack yeah. that one I mean it is only one interpretation you can mm. interpret her behaviors several ways but I did find it interesting watching her her scenes only 15 minutes of screen time thereabouts but um you know the way she responds to Bond's little innuendos. Um, mm. She just responds very like, what are you talking about? No, uh, thank you. Um, that made me think, oh, okay. Is, is, could that be construed as asexual or lesbian? But then, uh, you know, she was walking around that, that Spectre party and she, watches this one guy sort of sensuously mm. kiss a, a woman's hand and she's sort of like wow um you know it's sort of she seems sort of perplexed by the whole scene so yeah I thought maybe you could read asexual into that and I I, I don't know how how purposely it was done by the filmmakers because I read I read the screenplay for No Time to Die and it's not in there so no. but but who knows maybe they had a conversation on set with the actress and decided to do it this way or maybe i'm just reading too much into it personally i don't think you are at all when i went back through that sequence like frame by frame to select the images for your article mm -hmm. everything you'd written about it was so dead on the it certainly it's there in anna Armas's performance yeah um, and i think a lot of people will not think of Paloma as an asexual character because you know Anna de Armas is something of a sex symbol and she because of what she's wearing it's quite a, a sexualized uh, sure. outfit and so you know we've got this sex symbol in the movie but her her, her behavior is consist I would say consistently 
asexually coded throughout the entire sequence. It's like she can't really understand what's why people would do those things in that scene and why yeah. Bond is reacting that way. It's like, no, I'm, I'm just telling you to take your clothes off so that you can change. Why, yeah. why would you think, you know, what, what a, I didn't give you any signals. What? Yeah, it, it's, it's totally there in the performance throughout the whole sequence, I think. Yeah, and you know, if if the year 2021, I guess, would be the year that they uh, decided to actually put an asexual character like that mm. in the in the film. So who knows? But um, yeah, it, it, there's definitely some some coding there that you could read. Yeah, I I, I think you're spot on. Um, the one that I think you probably connect with the most, another fairly good representation I think is Melina from For Your Eyes Only so do you yeah. want to talk about Melina? Yeah I, I mean I had always loved that movie it's probably in my top five mm. um, and, and this writing this and researching this I started to wonder if maybe one of the reasons is because Melina seems to be also fairly asexual I mm. actually I had completely forgotten that she and Bond even kiss I completely wiped that from my memory but I went back and looked at it and it like oh yes they do kiss before they go swimming but um yeah they only kiss in their very last scene and then when uh Bond sort of you know he he seems to expect something to happen <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she says, and she says, let's go swimming. And yeah. um, that was sort of interesting. Like, oh, okay. He, he, he does seem surprised by that, that she, um, you know, offers to go swimming. And then, um, yeah, it was funny when she, when she disrobes and tells him for your eyes only, um, you know, you could, you could read that two ways and you could, you could read it as it's for your eyes and not for your hands or oh, <laughs> your body yes. that that was interesting to me i suddenly i suddenly realized that i was like hey that's funny but i think that was probably not uh you know on purpose by the filmmakers i think but it's interesting how many bond fans think that it's almost perfunctory that they presumably yeah. have sex at the end of that film because the That's... whole film doesn't really lead to that point there's there's I think you referenced the sleigh ride and there's the really romantic version of the theme tune but yeah actually the music is doing a lot of the selling of the romance in that yeah it's not yeah. actually terribly romantic and the subsequent scene isn't terribly romantic either so no. I know I know the convention is that you know Bond get the 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 you know the St George gets the princess at the end you know his reward for the mission and you know all that entails, but it's it's always struck me as a bit odd that they do get together at the end sexually. I know I know and it feels feels more like friendship right throughout the movie. Yeah yeah. yeah. And in fa- and again, when I was going through the Thunderballs archive to find some images and going through my own screen captures from For Your Eyes Only, um, I noticed that in a lot of the publicity photos, um, Roger Moore, and the actress's name has just gone out of my head, Carol Bouquet, 
Yeah, is it Bouquet? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce yep. his name? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered, Bouquet Bucket. Uh, but <laughs> but um, they, they are framed usually like friends or yeah. people who are in a relationship, you know, who are in quite a, a mature relationship, should we say, rather than people, you know, that are you know their hands aren't all over each other like mm, a lot yeah. of publicity photos of bond and the bond girls so again it might not have been intended but there's definitely an interesting dynamic between those characters and you mentioned in your article the shot in the casino which has always intrigued me there is that shot in the casinos which is just her turning around and him seeing uh her seeing bond leave with liesel yeah and it's never explained why she's there or yeah or how she felt about that except in a deleted scene which i said i sent you the link to so you watched did you watch that deleted scene um i watched you, it yeah i did i didn't know i didn't know that scene existed but you know that explains why that or that explains why that plot thread was dropped eventually mm. but what did i think about it i mean it it's a very short scene where Bond comes on board of her ship and she says, um, I, I, I tried to call you at your hotel, but you weren't there. And he says, uh, well, I wasn't there last night. And then she says, I'm not interested in your sex life, Mr. Bond. Mm. Um, that's interesting. I mean, could you read that as asexual? I mean, it, the intriguing part for me is how she plays it. I mean, she does seem very, um, you know, hostile to yes. him. And she calls him Mr. Bond and not James. So it's, you know, uh, she does seem quite jealous. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, that, that could just be her, her romantic attraction to him and her worrying that if he's sleeping with someone else, then maybe he is also romantically attracted to mm. someone else and not to her. So you could still read it as asexual. I don't know. I, yeah, I actually think it, it's a really good job that they left that scene out of the movie. Yeah, Sometimes you watch the I'm deleted really scene glad. and you think, but John Glenn himself says, it, and he's not. it's not entirely clear what he means by this, but John Glenn himself says of that deleted scene, it takes something away from her character and and it's not clear what what he's taken away but for me it does take away some of that asexual possibility i i think this whole sexual jealousy thing it's not fitting for the character no it's like yeah she sees him go off with liesel but actually she she doesn't care in the in the film that we the film that we have she's she, it's like well you know he's living his his own life <laughs> you know he's getting the mission completed whatever and I, I really think it would have damaged her character if they'd left that scene in the film. Yeah, well, it, you know, the deleted scene sort of makes her seem a petty about it. Yeah. And um, I, I, I think you could argue that she is upset when she mm. sees him leaving mm. the casino, but, but at the same time, you know, she, she, I, she gets over it pretty quickly, I think, yeah. You know how I read that scene now? Um, because Bond doesn't know he's walking in, well, he does sort of know, he's, he does know he's walking into a trap, but it could mm -hmm. turn out really, really badly. I almost imagine that Melina is following, and this would be a great scene that they could have shot, 
where Melina follows them and she's almost protecting him. She's almost like he's, you know, guardian angel in that scene. So it's like, if he ends up going off with her and she's a villain and he gets into trouble, I'm going to be the one who's asked, I'm going to have to save him. So that's that how cool. I always, that's how I always mm. interpret that scene. I think she's there not to be the jealous lover, but she's there to be his protector. That's, that's the only version in my head that sort of works anyway. Sure. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, with her with her crossbow. Yeah. That so I'm hoping this article, um, you know, opens people's minds to further possibilities because that's what I always try to do, really. And um, you know, a lot of times Bond movies are really careful about spelling things out exactly, and you do sort of have to read between the lines, but. Sometimes people have to be kind of encouraged to kind of see alternative possibilities rather than just kind of heteronormative kind of stuff. So um, do you think we're going to be inundated with people telling us about other asexual characters? Which ones, do you, have... which, ones do, which ones do you think people might kind of want to go away and have another look at? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope I, I hope I missed a lot of characters and that people can tell me, hey, did you did you look at this? And um you know there are so many characters you can interpret i mean i did i did the bait uh desmond ul's mm, q i mm. that could that could be really cool even though there is that scene at the end of octopusy where yes. where he lands in the hot air balloon and he's surrounded by all these women and you know he does seem slightly intrigued by that but that that always struck me as sort of out of character for him I don't I don't and, believe that. And that dialogue where he says, oh, maybe later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that dialogue seems like it's been looped in afterwards. Maybe, maybe it's a yeah. bit of an afterthought. I'm not sure that was necessarily intended or it was if it was, if it's there in the scene, I need to rewatch it, see if uh, Desmond's lips are moving or not. But it seems like a bit of an afterthought. He's almost like, don't don't fuss with me. Yeah, he's always <laughs> and he, yeah. he never, never approves of bonds um romantic entanglements um i mean it, even though in the novels it's sort of m who always has that role of really being disapproving about bonds womanizing but q isn't like a, a proper character in the novels mm -hmm. so i think in the films they kind of took that what about m do you think m might be sure yeah if if you could read q that way why not m because mm. you know the same thing goes for m m is always you know focused on the mission and yeah uh although you know there is that scene in from russia with love i think where money penny starts mentioning an interesting evening that james bond and m had in what was it tokyo or something tokyo yeah and he, well remembered, he, stopped, yeah. he stops the tape machine but you know who knows what that means um mm. you could read them as asexual sure absolutely Okay, or somewhere on the spectrum. And I think that's probably the most important thing for people to realize, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's not a, you know, there's no one size fits all here. It's a, it's a range of uh, identities. So, Fenner, thank you very much for your time. Thank you even more for your amazing article, which uh, I know a lot of people are going to find really interesting um, when it goes out. Um, so uh, any any kind of Bond projects planned this year for the 60th anniversary? Are you planning to, to do anything or watch anything or see people or anything? 
Uh, not yet, but if you visit Amsterdam, we should definitely meet oh, up. That would, that would definitely be a good idea. And maybe we can go to uh, Tiffany Casey's apartment. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can find it together. <laughs> we should, we should. Let's do that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Licensed to Queer podcast. If you scroll down wherever you access this podcast, you should see all of the previous episodes of this podcast. And if you are interested in queer readings of Bond, head over to licensedtoqueer.com where you will find literally dozens of articles. If you want to find out about particular queer identities and the way that they are represented in Bond, so for instance, if you wanted to find out about lesbians represented in Bond or bisexual people represented in Bond or gay people or trans people, then you could type those identities into the search term. You can also type in the titles of your favourite books and films and Bond video games. There's even bits about the soundtracks and things on there. So yeah, try typing in your favourite things and see what comes up. Hopefully you'll find it entertaining. Take care everyone.